I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, October 28, 2017. Essential economic freedom. The excessive decline in the dollar. Late rally on Wall Street. Big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning. Good morning. Listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. Man, am I... Easy for you to say. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. (laughs) I'm Troy Harmon, your host today. I'm here with Casey Smith and Jennifer Thomas, both of whom have the CFP designation, Certified Financial Planners, uh, here to answer your financial questions. We'll get to some of that later, but uh, how do you like the market this week? Uh, I think uh, this is a market that our own Bill Laco would be very proud of. He would be absolutely the proudest ever. He is always saying that the market is going to be flat. Today we can report that since last time we recorded this show, the market is absolutely flat. I texted him and told him that he was right. Yeah. He He responded, nice. Yeah, there you go, (laughs) nice. Uh, Not everything was flat. Materials actually gained 2.2% on the week. Um, Financials are up almost 2%. Uh, On the other end of the spectrum, healthcare down 2.3%. Telecom services down 3%. Uh, Very strange uh, kind of a week. If you look what we've got going on year to date, though, the S&P 500 is up almost 14.5%. Uh, information technology still knocking the cover off the ball, up 31.1% year-to-date. Materials up 195 thereabouts. Uh, healthcare up almost 19%. We do have a couple of sectors that are lagging. Uh, energy is down 10%, and telecommunication services are down 15.23%. Now, Casey, you and I were talking about earnings. Yeah. The earnings growth. For energy, which is, again, down 10% year-to-date. What was that number? 617.79%. That's the earnings growth for the energy sector. And what's even more amazing is the surprise is almost 14%. So earnings are 14% better than analysts expected. And Yet we're down 10% for the year. Down 10% for the year. There you go. Go figure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the Saudis put us in a tailspin back in 2014 when they started uh, messing with supply, which also changed prices, uh, drove the price through the floor, uh, and the, the energy sector just really has not figured out what's going on since. We've had a huge rally from its absolute bottom back in February of 2016, but uh you can tell by these numbers that they just don't seem reasonable. Well, and looking here at the at the numbers again, the sales growth is 23%, earnings growth 600 and almost 18%. 23%. So, I mean, yeah. are they just slashing costs? I mean, is that part of it? I, I, obviously, the the prices of of oil is going to impact some of that. Yeah. But strange to see the sales growth at 
you know, 23%, which is still very healthy. As right. Of, that's leading all other sectors for the third quarter. Yeah. You know, we've talked about previous quarter uh, earnings growth, and first quarter was 15 and a half. Second quarter, we got 9.6. Here we are uh, a little better than, well, almost halfway. Uh, we're we're uh, getting toward halfway at this point through the S&P 500 earnings season, 7.6%. It's not too shabby. Yeah. Um, Surely isn't fifteen fifteen and a half percent, but uh, not too bad. Well, and where where are we looking in terms of the overall market? You know that call it the S and P. In terms of uh, how overvalued do we think we think it is yeah. at this point? I, I know we talked last time I was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I guess um, I think you were saying what about thirty percent? Yeah, a little a little better time? than thirty one percent when you look at uh, the trailing twelve month price-to-earnings ratio, which means what earnings have been over the last 12 months. So right. last year's earnings relative to today's price, uh, the market looks about 31% expensive. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to head toward a, a decline anytime soon, though, right? No. I mean, it's, it, could, it can be overvalued for quite a while and still That's keep on, absolutely keep true. on going. They, yeah, so the P.E. is around 21 right now. Um, you know, if you think about, oh, are we in the – are we in the range of the tech bubble, which valuations just got ridiculous out of hand? They were over 30. The P.E., trailing 12-month P.E. was over 30 at that point. We're nowhere in that range. That was for the S&P or for just the tech? For the S&P, yeah, believe wow. it or not. Yeah, it got that bad. Tech was worse. Yeah. But uh, the overall market, I mean, you know, it was just being dragged higher. And no matter what you had, uh, what, what type of uh, operation you had, if it – had dot-com on the back of it, obviously, it was golden. And part of that equation is the fact that so many of those companies had no earnings. Right. But the S&P 500, the largest 500 companies in the domestic market, still had a P.E. that was over 30. So, um, you know, that's pretty steep. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's a question that we're getting a lot from clients is just what point do we think that we're going to – come back to a little bit more reasonable valuations. I mean, obviously 30, 30% overvalued is, is high. I'm sure it's been higher than that before. Um, but it's just, you know, we don't, we're not seeing anything in the fundamentals of these companies that no. makes us, gives us any reason to believe that we're headed for a pullback. No. And I tell you what I seem to find uh, makes sense to me is, uh, it's really about expectation. So if you look at the forward P.E., this is uh, today's price divided by um, what is expected over the next 12 months in earnings. Uh, the P.E. premium there is only about 14% for the S&P 500. Yeah. You look at smaller companies, and the, and the premium in that regard is more in the, in the range. I think it's 18% with mid-cap companies and about 21 for uh, small-cap companies. So... Um, you know, if you look at that, uh, by most other measures, uh, the S&P 500 looks expensive, but uh, the the market actually is expecting great earnings growth from these bigger companies. So, and even with those increased expectations, I mean, at least up until this point, most of these sectors are are beating their expectations in terms of earnings surprise being positive. It looks like you know, energy, as we mentioned already, surprise 14% positive. Materials almost, you know, a little over 13 percent. Um, even even when you look at IT, you know, five percent, right? Which you would think that some of the positive expectations would already be 
built in to some extent just based on how well they've done already. Yeah. They're still be- beating their expectations from the analysts out there. So absolutely, no- nothing to suggest that we're having any kind of uh, signs of this economy slowing down. At yeah, any the fundamentals still look pretty solid. And, you know, some of the things that we watch as far as economic news is concerned, uh, obviously um, we're – bopping along at full employment. Uh, we've yeah. had uh, our our employment situation is, is about as good as it's been uh, in, I think I saw, 16 and a half years. Uh, 4.2%, wow. is that uh, where we are as far as unemployment is concerned? And usually around 5 is where we expect that it's uh, full employment. Right. Uh, you look at the numbers that we got out this week even, uh you know, new filings rose 10,000 from the previous week's revised 233. Uh, that was better than expected. Uh, there were folks that were expecting that uh, uh, jobless claims were going to be higher, and it just didn't materialize. So as long as people are working, uh, they're still consuming. Yeah. Uh, unless they start expecting that their job is going to go away, they usually continue uh, to to. Uh, buy things, especially, you know, discretionary kind of spending. Um, and as long as that's going on, it still continues to fuel itself. At the, the same time, though, well. while, while we've got full employment, we haven't seen wages start to grow all that much. So and that's keeping inflation relatively low, low and right. which is allowing the Fed to keep the interest rates right. in, in check. So Yeah, this is a... Uh, you've heard of a Goldilocks market. This is, this is just about it. The porridge is... Just right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> it's. Uh, it, I. I understand why people would expect that. You know, it, just any minute it's going to come unhinged. The, the market has run pretty significantly from our last downturn, but that was a very deep uh, decline that we we experienced. Well, and if you follow our investment philosophy, the money that you have in the market is what's in there for the long term. Right. So yes, there are going to be times where the market does pull back. We know sure. it's going to happen. But as long as you don't, you're not trying to live off of that money that's invested in the market right. today, then you know it's okay if the market pulls back. Sure, the best way to beat inflation is uh, you gotta you gotta join it basically, yeah. and, and the way you join it is own companies because when their uh, when their costs go up, they run the price up. That price uh, winds up going to the bottom line. Now, the bottom line drives your stock price higher. So, when you uh, have to make two right decisions. You have to, you if know, you're if you're going to try to play lines, that, you're right. going to have to make the right de- de- or the dis- right decision to get out of the market on the right day, and then the right decision to get back in on the right day. Absolutely, yeah. You can miss a lot by sitting on the sidelines. Well, y'all, stick around a few minutes. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. Ever, uh, y'all run a lot of financial plans, right? A lot. Right? Right? Is this, a lot. Is, this on? is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, do you ever have anybody say they include their dog in the financial plan at all? Ever? Uh, I don't think that I've run across that yet, but 
I would not be shocked. I mean, we we that. do have them like include pet expenses yeah. or you know. Well, I'm amazed even at that. I, I wouldn't think that people would plan so much. But here's a story out of Yahoo Finance. Uh, we love our pets. We love to spend money on them. In fact, seventy billion dollars says the American Pet Product Association is how much we spend as a nation on our pets. I would, I would, it's amazing to me. Yeah. I am not surprised at all. Yeah, I mean I'm you've not. got you. I mean you've got veterinarian bills, and now people take their pets to like doggy daycares, yeah. like if they're going to be out of town where they're like their spas and. You know, well, there's a. We were down in Florida last week visiting a couple clients down there, and one of them was telling us about a, a restaurant that is not only can you bring your dog, but they have a menu for the dog, and <laughs> it's like, you know, twenty five dollars for a you know, chicken, whatever. Chicken for, parts. For, yeah, they just I mean, you. I think it's like a gourmet kind of thing. Oh, it's not table scraps from no. the kitchen. Now so, that's where I, mean, I would take my dogs. But no, no, no. This is this sounded like high end. Yeah. So the my dog daughter buys costumes specific. for her dog a lot. Her dog. <laughs> I hope one of them is a vampire costume because I have met your daughter's he's, dog. He's not the. He, he's, he's not sweet if he doesn't know you. He's very sweet if he knows you. Uh, you might notice a trickle of blood off his chin, <laughs> whether might. he's got his costume on or not. Uh, anyway, so. Take a wild guess. How much do we as a household, you know, the average household spend on their dog? Just guess. Is this annual? Yes, an annual expense. Ten grand. Ten grand. Wow, not near. I was going to go five grand, but. Yeah, no. We're $1,641 on a dog, and a cat is less expensive at eleven twenty-five. Good, good. That's I'm glad the that was way off. Yeah, anyway, uh, maybe it's probably not so smart to. Include your pet expenses, but uh, you you would figure they're in there, right? If well, they yeah, tell you I mean, how much they're spending, they yeah, don't break it yes. down, maybe. We don't necessarily ask yeah. them to break it down, but sometimes we do. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, buying a pet from a store can cost you, if it's a purebred, between 500 and $3,000, just the animal itself, and then 1650 basically a year. I mean, it costs you that much. I mean, not the high end of that, but, you know, three or four to five hundred dollars just to adopt a pet from right. a shelter or something. Yes, it's crazy. It does. So uh, maybe we should uh, offer a new program. We can have financial planning for your pets since people at, at the restaurants are actually offering. Well, you know, there's, the there's been multiple instances of people leaving, you know, right. money, and trust money and trust for, for their, their pet, pets, for the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. No, I well, don't know of any of our clients that have done that, but I would not be all that shocked yeah. to see that. Pet food alone, $29 million of consumer spending in 2016. That's a lot of money, and I know we love our pets because they love us back no matter what we do to them, right? <laughs> Dogs do. I don't know about cats. Cats never oh, liked you to begin with. Oh, my cat loves me. You might think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the cat could talk, right? Uh, all right, guys. Well, um, I guess we can move on from that. But it uh, really did catch me strange as to how much money we spend on our pets. And it's a money show, so why in the world wouldn't we bring it up, right? And it's the dog of the week, so it is. talk about yeah. dogs. I've talked about dogs could be dogs the dog before. and the cat of the week. Yeah, we've had all kind of dogs <laughs> on, goats. I mean, you name it. I love an animal story. So uh, <laughs> even alligators, I think we've talked about a time or two. But uh we got other important stuff to talk about. Casey, you uh, 
have a situation we wanted to talk about, disability insurance and self-employment. Uh, got a, a couple, what, Dean started his own business about nine years ago, uh, rolled his uh, 401K into a SEP, saves 8000 to $10,000 a year because so, he doesn't have a pet, I think. That must be it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he's a sole proprietor with no employees, travels 80% of the time for work. What, uh, what do we got going on? You know, is this disability insurance important to a guy like this? Yeah, I mean, I think very much so. And this is something that's often overlooked by people. You know, people always oftentimes consider life insurance um, and and obviously property and casualty insurance. They're going to insure the things that are important to them, their home, their car, their life, but they don't think about what happens if they're disabled and not able to work a lot of times. And, and actually the risk of becoming disabled during your working years is far greater than the risk of you dying during your working years. So um, from that standpoint, it's something that definitely should be considered in any kind of financial planning that you're looking at. Um, you know, both from a probability standpoint, there there's more chance, the more likelihood that you're going to become disabled and the fact that if you become disabled rather than die, there's going to be additional costs that are associated with that. So especially even more so for somebody who's self-employed, as as we've got uh, Dean here. Um, being self-employed, you know, it's going to have an even greater impact because not only does it impact him personally if he's not able to earn any wages, it impacts his business. And if he's a sole proprietor, then he's personally liable for all those business debts. So if he doesn't have income coming in in some one way or another, he's really going to have to come up with uh, some means to pay off those debts or else he could really get himself into some some trouble. So uh, disability insurance is very important to take into consideration. This is an area where I probably know enough to be dangerous. You know, yeah. Normally we would refer somebody to Jim Crone right. um, to uh, help him with their policy. But, you know, the, the biggest thing is just making sure that you've got a policy is not going to cover 100% of your salary or your income. It's probably going to be more in the range of 50 to 70%. So, you know, keep that in mind. Make sure that you get that 50 to 70% is, is able to cover those expenses that you really need to take care of. Um, there's another type of insurance called business overhead expense insurance, which is interesting that uh, – you, you can buy a policy. It basically acts like a disability policy. If you become disabled or just not able to work for whatever reason, they can. It covers the cost of your, you know, your overhead expenses, uh, just to kind of get you by until you can get back to working again. Um, you know, again, as a sole proprietor, there's some risk there because that might be his whole. You know, he doesn't have employees. It doesn't sound like so. Not having anybody to continue that business. If something were to happen to him, that income is just going to go away. So do you the lose expense, customers? Yeah. Do you lose, uh, you know, the future of the business is very much in jeopardy. Right. So, you know, one of the things that he might want to consider, too, is is looking at some type of buy-sell agreement, maybe, if he can get somebody to enter into that with him. I, he sa- it says he's got a son here who's 21, um, so he's kind of young, but he's just finishing his last year of college. Yeah. Doesn't say whether he's got any interest in participating in the business at some point in the future, but he could use disability insurance as the funding mechanism to provide for, uh, to fund that buy-sell agreement, maybe with his son, so that if something sure. happens to him, the son can use the proceeds from that policy to buy him out of the business. Sure. And then Dean would be taken care of, hopefully, um, if he's done some good financial planning, 
with that lump sum money from the sale of the business that he can use to live off of and provide for some of his, his expenses while he's um, you know laid up. Yeah, you got to be able to afford that dog food. That's right. You got to be able <laughs> to afford the dog food. You know, another another item here that is often overlooked is is what type of disability policy are you are you looking at? Um, we we generally recommend, especially for clients that are in kind of specialized businesses uh, and own occupation policy. Um, so that's going to cover you for if you're not able to perform the duties of your specific job. So if you're a doctor and you you're a surgeon and you you know hurt your hand and you can't perform surgery, it's not going to say well you can still flip burgers so you can go get a job you know, get a job get at McDonald's and you don't get the proceeds from the policy. Yeah. yeah. So make sure that you specifically talk about what it is that you do in case I mean like you're a financial analyst like myself and you have a maim yourself in a horrible <laughs> calculator accident. Yeah, you got to watch out. <laughs> Right. you got to watch out. Well, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that think that they can count on Social Security disability, but, you know, that is so difficult to actually get. That's, you know, you have to be, there are people that have, you know, that really are disabled that cannot right. get um, Social Security disability. Yeah, so. it says even in the on the Social Security Site to receive benefits as an adult, you must have physical or mental impairment impairment that has lasted or is expected to last for at least twelve months, or is expected to result in your death. So, mm. that's a pretty uh, narrowly defined right. <laughs> definition. Yeah, and you're also talking about well, I mean, you you mentioned uh, own occupation. Yeah. Uh, Social Security is probably not going to cover no. much for that high earner. Uh, you know, it, it's a drastic lifestyle change if that's, you know, all you're looking to do. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, it might sustain you, but it surely wouldn't sustain the lifestyle that you had no. put together. In, not uh, at all. And there's, there's actually earnings limits, too, on Social Security. If your average monthly earnings from work are, are above a maximum amount, then you may not even be considered eligible at all for, for the benefits from the Social Security Administration. So. Yeah. So there um, you go. Definitely not something to count on. Right. All right. So planning is good. There you go. That's the sum, sum, summary of uh, everything right there. Charlie. There you go. Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jennifer Tom. And at some point, what? This thing, yeah, huh? What? Yeah, this fade doesn't work near as well as I thought it did. But uh, hey, we're here. There we go. How about that? Uh, we got plenty of questions, and we love to answer your financial questions. If uh, you have them, please send them to us. Uh, you can either call us on our question hotline at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. You leave your question on a recording, uh, we play it back and answer it on the air. Uh, you could also give us a call and talk to a human being at 770-429-9166, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. Hensler is spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R. And uh, if you wanted some information for free and uh, maybe you could find what it is that you're, you're uh 
looking for the questions, the answer to the question you might be looking for, you can check out our website, which again is hensler.com. And uh, uh, you can also reach out to us through social media. We got uh, our hand in just about every one of those pies, except. Uh, I don't think yeah. we're on Snapchat yet, but we'll. Oh, not yet. And I can't if imagine Jennifer's how got we would to say use about Snapchat. that, though. I'm sure we'll be there soon. Yeah. Could you imagine Dr. Gene <laughs> on Snapchat with a contorted face and weird voice? I mean, that you can do the filters, right? That, oh, yeah. We'd have to charge money for that. Oh, well, people would pay it. Yeah. Trust me. Absolutely. All right. We have a few questions this week, uh, starting with Jack from Woodstock. He says, Jones Lang LaSalle Incorporated came up in my stock screener. What do you think of this company? Uh, Jones Lang LaSalle is uh, uh, interesting. They're... they're uh, uh, commercial real estate uh, endeavor, but mm -hmm. they're really more of a property manager. It's not that they own the assets. So uh, you would think that maybe they didn't get beaten up as bad when uh, real estate, when bad things happen in real estate, like happened in 2007 and 8. That absolutely was not the case, though. They got beat up just like everybody else. Um, interesting company. Company. Uh, uh, unlike most other real estate endeavors, uh, it's mostly financed with equity. Uh, most of the time you'll see because they are asset-based, um, these uh, real estate investment companies uh, will give you, uh, you know, they, the banks will loan against a, an asset that um, is collateral for that loan. So they wind up uh, pretty heavily indebted, not in this case. Um, their earnings growth, 10.46%, comes mostly from, or so it seems, acquisition. They've made loads and loads of acquisitions over the past few years. They buy uh, smaller uh, real estate service companies. It might be um, appraisers. It could be uh, other property managers, but they really just load up on uh, on those sorts of uh, endeavors. They don't pay out much dividend, which, you know, it, you can understand why if they're buying uh, a lot of other businesses within their industry. It just seems like they're really consolidating at this point. Uh, they've got a wide range of uh, services they can provide across a wide range of uh, real estate types. So whether it be retail, uh, multifamily, um, you know, other types of commercial, uh, they can pretty much find a, a good manager for the, the real estate. But uh, all things considered, um, only, they only pay out 8.1% of their earnings, a very small portion uh, in dividend. Uh, they're not uh, – five-year earnings growth, over 10%, long-term expectations, 13.5%. Um, but uh, all things considered, I just really am not a huge fan. The, the company is volatile, and, and the price is volatile. Yeah, I was going to say, I just noticed the beta 2.23%. Uh, oh, yeah. It's pretty high. For, it really uh, is. A market cap of so, $5.5 Exactly. So if you explain what beta means, it's basically how much that moves, how much the, the price of this company moves relative to the S&P 500 or so whatever. So a beta of one would move in perfect correlation with the S&P. Right. So now, this is gonna, if the S&P is up 10 points, this is going to be up 22. Right. So having having a high standard deviation or high volatility when it's not measured by the S&P 500 uh, doesn't necessarily mean that things are, are bad. I mean, if a company outperforms the S&P quite frequently, then it would have also more volatility than the underlying 
index would. Sure. But uh, when you look at this company, it is not always to the upside. Uh, Did you see fact, whether it meets our criteria? It does not. Okay. Yeah, it does not meet our criteria. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting. I think probably the reason it doesn't is because of its high cost of capital. You mm-hmm. would imagine a company with 80% equity uh, is probably going to – equity is more costly than right. debt. Uh, so, you know, it's got it's got a, a high cost of capital in that regard. Um, they've been down 8.74% annually in the last two years. So uh, there's there's what I was talking about. You know, if the beta is two and things are good, you don't yeah, sweat that it. That doesn't necessarily mean that <laughs> yeah. it's going up just because the market's right. up. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I think if I were you, Jack, I would uh, avoid – the uh, investment in Jones Lang LaSalle, it just seems way too volatile for me. All right, so we got another one here. Uh, Clarice from Milton says, I'm trying to teach my daughter about women-run companies. You know what? Anytime you can teach your kids about the way business works, I think it's awesome. Uh, she says, uh, what are some of the S&P 500 companies we can follow that are uh, at least women-run? Um there's quite a few of them. Uh, in fact, some of the ones that, that I would recommend looking at, just mainly because of the bias that I have, that I recommend them anyway, uh, you've got Indra Nui that uh, actually runs Pepsi-Cola. Uh, PepsiCo. It's one of the uh, stocks that we recommend for most of our investors. Um, Ross Stores is another one of those companies. Uh, Barbara Rentler is uh, CEO there. Uh, Ulta Beauty, I think, is in our universe, but we don't uh, we don't recommend it at the moment. But still, a, a pretty solid run company. Ulta Beauty by uh, Mary Dillon is the CEO there. Uh, Lynn Good runs Duke Energy, and then you've got, strangely enough, some uh, defense companies uh, that are that are uh, led by ladies. Uh, Marilyn Hewson runs uh, Lockheed Martin, and uh, Phoebe. Novakovic. Man, I thought I was going to mess that one up, but I think I nailed it. I think Novakovic. you got it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it uh, doesn't Dynamics. say. Yeah, it doesn't say how young her daughter is, too. It doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, but depending on the age, you, you know, there are also some companies that, you know, might spark an interest if if her child is younger. Um, right. You know, like maybe the Hershey Company. Sure. Um, Michelle Buck is the CEO mm-hmm. there. You know, Campbell Soup. Is another one, right? You know, we you mentioned PepsiCo, mm-hmm. um, so you know, I mean, I think a lot of times, especially with children, is, and you're trying to get them interested in, you know, either business or stocks. That if you pick something sure. that they can relate to, yeah, Mattel Incorporated is even on there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Margot Georgiatis uh, as the CEO. So. Yeah, I I absolutely agree, Jennifer. If it's something that ties kind of something that interests them to begin with, and uh, you wanted to make the point about, uh, you know, these are these are all women-run companies, mm-hmm. and you can grow up and be the uh, you don't have to be a gymnast. Right. You know, there's there's a whole lot of ways for people to succeed, and uh, this is one of them. And it's probably you know if you were a person who goes after wealth, it's probably more long-term sustainable if you were the CEO of a company than if you had that uh, uh, gymnast. Well, speaking of sustainability, you know, one of the measures in uh, we actually have a ESG portfolio. Yes, right. Absolutely. So isn't 
correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't one of the measures in there social the yeah. number of women on the board? Uh, or, it's or it's women in uh, executive positions. Or in executive positions. Okay. Yeah. So uh, ESG, it's environmental, social, and governance is yeah. is uh, what those uh, letters stand for, and uh, the social piece is absolutely. Uh, something that's you know that uh, these companies are ranked on pretty much all companies these days are ranked on these three criteria, and uh, that social piece is is uh, highly um, impacted by the number of women uh, in the in the executive position. So yeah. uh, that might be another thing. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, you know, there's there's plenty of uh, ETFs, and I don't have one off the top of my head, but we actually run a model uh, in house uh, that that focuses specifically on those uh, three criteria. There's folks out there that like uh, to invest their money kind of where their heart is. uh, And the argument can be made that that those companies tend to be a little bit more stable over the long term. Right. You know, the uh, performance... It may or may not outperform, you know, the S&P, but you add an element of sustainability to the portfolio through yeah. companies that, that do environment, are environmentally conscious and sure. socially conscious and govern, governance. And, you, know, you know, honestly, there's uh, we run quite a few screens to get to what we consider our investable universe. Right. And uh, I think because of governance being high on our priority list, it actually gives us a good bit of crossover right. with those ESG-focused uh, uh, portfolios. So uh, great point, Casey. And, uh, you know, if you if you had uh, an interest, whether it be getting your daughter interested in business or uh, focusing on the environment, we can definitely help with some of those questions. And uh, uh, you can give us a call. Casey, you'd love to be your first contact, 770-429-9166. Guys, we're going to take a real quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. back you're listening to money talks i'm here with casey smith and jennifer thomas i'm troy Harmon, and uh we've been answering a few questions uh women run businesses as we just left uh but casey we got something else here from ben and beverly from lilburn and before i throw that out here let me just run it by you again uh if you have questions you'd like to have answered on the air you can uh, call our question hotline, one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. Leave your recorded question, and we will answer it on the air. Or you can talk to a human being, 770-429-9166. Uh, you could have your questions answered on the air. If you need to talk to a financial planner, you have questions that you'd like answered, you'd like for us to help you with your portfolio, uh, any of those things, we would love to help. Uh, and then you can email us at drgene at hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, so, Casey, we got Ben and Beverly from Lilburn. They say we're fast approaching 65. I think everybody is. It's just when you get closer, it seems like it comes at you quicker, <laughs> right? Uh, That's right. Can you explain Medicare Part C and if it is something we should consider? Well, as far as whether it's something we can should consider, I'll give you the 
stereotypical answer of it depends. <laughs> he's he's an accountant here, folks. Yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, well, so Medicare Part C is is sometimes referred to as Medicare Advantage. It it basically is a uh, a, a private component of Medicare, so it it would replace parts A and B. Part A is your the the portion that goes to pay for hospital care. Part B is kind of your general medical insurance, covers doctors' bills and X-rays and labs and whatnot. Part C is, is was originally created in 1997. It's called Medicare Plus Choice, and became available to people who were eligible for Part A and it actually enrolled in Part B. And it still operates the same way. You have to be eligible for A, enrolled in B, and it's just a, a different alternative that allows you know private health companies to come in and they contract with the government to offer benefits through their own plans. So sometimes you can get a little bit of, of a cost break on it. It can be less expensive, mainly because they can they have the ability to use managed care plans like HMOs and PPOs, um, which gives you a little bit less expense on the premiums, but you have less flexibility as well, um, not able to uh, choose doctors outside of a network and things like that. So it really just depends on how flexible you need to be, um, whether or not you need to consider it. You know, regular Medicare Parts A and B do cover uh, most things. It depends on your doctors. I mean, I would check with the doctors that you go to regularly, see what what types of insurance they accept. Um, you know, another reason you might opt for Part C is if you need dental or vision or hearing insurance. Those oftentimes are kind of lumped into the package under a Part C plan. So, you know, there's there's some advantages to it. Um, the fact that they call it a Medicare Advantage plan is a little misleading. It may or may not be advantageous depending on your situation, but, uh, you know, it's, it's... You mean the government is deceptive? I'm not saying that, Troy. I'm not <laughs> looking to get thrown I'm, in the gulag or anything. And Casey's home address is. <laughs> <laughs> I know where he works. You all just come, <laughs> see me. come stop by. That's right. I'll point him right out. So anyway, that that's sort of the, the short answer. You know, if, if you'd like us to Take a look at your specific situation. Give us a call, 770-429-9166. We'll be happy to, to take a look at it. There we go. All right, uh, next up we got Stu and Nadine from Norcross. They say, we're looking at our portfolio with a new advisor. Interesting. Uh, there are a few stocks he recommended we sell. Uh, they're all long-term holdings, but we wanted to get a second opinion before we pull the trigger on these. Uh, Hasbro, Duncan Brands, and Fifth Third Bank Corp. Um, tell you what, guys. These, uh, I'll start at the back. Fifth Third, Fifth Third Bank Corp is a bank. It's not a real exciting bank. Um, their earnings growth has been slightly negative for the last five years. Uh, expected to be slightly positive for the next three to five years. Uh, all things considered, you know, they're they're kind of average when it comes to uh, managing their portfolio of loans. I just don't see anything compelling about it. Um, I would encourage you to consider taking your advisor's uh, advice and moving away from that. Now, Duncan Brands, obviously I think we all know what Duncan Brands does. It's the donut, folks, uh, coffee and donuts, right? If you tell me this is a sell, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Baskin-Robbins, too. So ice cream and donuts, yes. and you're, you've got me to tell you to sell it. Eh, I don't know. It's, uh, it is pretty heavily indebted. Uh, some of the things they've done... Uh, lately, they've got um, uh, they've they've 
bought back so much of their stock that they've basically gotten negative retained earnings. So it's uh, it has eaten their uh, their equity to nothing. So some of the numbers get distorted. Uh, when you have no equity, it's a situation it's you don't see every say. day. Yeah, it's hard to say <laughs> that you have a reasonable debt to equity. You can look at the debt to assets, and in this see case, what you did there with the, they ate their own equity. They <laughs> ate their own equity. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if you're Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. you got an appetite. I would imagine. It's clever. Yeah, uh, debt to assets, seventy-five point five. It's a pretty high debt ratio. Uh, some of the other things, uh, you know, the EVA spread, which I look at it a lot. Return on invested capital minus their weighted average cost of capital is uh, positive, five point two percent. You don't always see that, but uh, in this case, you know, it's been positive. Um, they've got three point three nine billion dollars in total debt. You're going to have to sell a whole lot of donuts and ice cream to cover debt like that if. Uh, uh, you know, if if um, the economy hit the skids, but these are things that I think are almost staple-like, are they not? KC, do it's a you staple eat in fewer? my life? Yeah, I was going to say the blueberry, my, the blueberry donut at Dunkin' yeah. Donuts, blueberry sour, cake, yes. sour cream. Yeah. I mean, I'm a fan. Sour cream uh, is good as well. So, you know, either way, I, I guess if you're if you're worried as much about w- paying big taxes, if you've uh, uh, stood by the stock while it's gained significantly, then you know you could probably make the case to hang on here. Uh, their their valuation doesn't look too bad. It's higher than the market, but it's uh, lower than their longer term average. So, uh, all things considered, in that regard, I, I would tell you hang on to it. Hasbro is another one of those debt to equity ninety two point four percent. That's a, a pretty uh, high. Ratio, but uh, still probably manageable. Five-year earnings growth, 12.5% is what it has been. Expected to be a little less than 10 going forward. Um, it's a, you know, it's a toy maker. It's going to be seasonal. You're going to see lots of earnings in the fourth quarter. In the first and second quarters, you're not going to see much because they sell most of their goods around the holidays, right? Um, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's appreciated 15.5% annually since the last market top. So that would have been October 9th of 2007, back when we had our previous market top. We don't know what the market top is now because it seems to make a new high every day. But uh, Hasbro has done quite well. Um, but, you, know, I, you know, I think one of the things, though, I'd like to talk about with regard to the fact that they have a new advisor and they're right. recommending that they sell those. I mean, we typically are in the same situation on a, you know, a, a lot. lot of times. A lot. So people come in and they have their portfolio. Um, we have our, what we recommend, and so we want our clients to be invested in what we recommend. Now, that doesn't mean that we always just can go in there and sell everything that isn't you know sure. what we recommend because sure. you do have to look if it's in a taxable account are there tax consequences sure. um you know so we start with the ones that don't meet our criteria um and you know liquidate those first then we look at the tax consequences and we look at you know what we can do but over a period of time we would like to get our clients into what we recommend because sure. you're going to judge us on the, our performance, but if you own things that aren't our recommendations, our recommendations then it's going to skew that number. Absolutely, so. yeah. If, if you like the advisor, absolutely, uh-huh. Jennifer. I, I think you're best to. Uh, 
Uh, your default should be, let's go with what they tell us. Right. Um, if, if but, you but have, again, if it were a, a huge tax consequence. Sure. There. I mean, we they, absolutely will not, you know, just go. I mean, because that's right. going to affect your portfolio as well. Yeah, so and we you might wanna... be able to manage that over multiple years. Sure. And we know that recessions happen. So, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. those get beaten up or you have a... a uh, something in your portfolio that has a loss. Sometimes you can sell the, the item for a loss and sell part of that that's got the gain to kind of manage it lower as, as time goes by. Uh, but you're absolutely spot on, Jennifer. No matter what I tell you about Hasbro, I think that's probably the absolute best advice. Hasbro's been good. Uh, it doesn't meet our criteria, but um, I, I can understand holding that one as well. All right, well, that wraps our show. Uh Jennifer, up or down? I'm going to go up. Can't be flat two days and two weeks in a row. I'm going to go up too. Yeah, up here. Been a slice of heaven. Thanks for listening. Money talks. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments, It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.